This is the Scale with Psychology podcast, where you're going to optimize your psychology to exponentially scale your business and become the ultimate version of yourself. I'm your host, Ani Manian, widely known as the Mind Whisperer and trusted advisor and psychedelic therapist to the world's top entrepreneurs and leaders. And I believe that entrepreneurship is a mental game. And the main constraint in any business is not the strategies and tactics, but the psychology of the founder. And with each episode, I'm going to help you take your life in business to levels you never thought possible. If you're ready to play the game of life and business in God mode, then this is the podcast for you. Visioning consultant, and he's going to tell us exactly what that means. And he is one of the most prolific direct marketing consultants, copywriters, advisors in the country, potentially the world. So it's my pleasure to bring you Eric Bakey. Eric, how are you, man? I am doing great. Thank you very much for the introduction. I'm I'm a, a very humble person, so it's really funny to hear people <laughs> describe me like that. But I appreciate it. I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge your humility, and I'm gonna ask you to be a little boastful and really make a case for why the bombs that you're about to drop in this conversation should really be something that people pay attention to. So tell us a little bit about what you've been up to. Um, maybe a little bit about your story and what makes you one of the most lethal weapons in marketing today? I guess I can give you my little 60-second life story. Um, I, I joined the Army right after high school, learned how to blow stuff up and dig ditches, and neither of them are very lucrative, I found out when I got up. Uh, so I got into the, the elevator trade. I, pun intended, came up in the elevator business, and I had... Just I knew I could do something more. I was working a job I had, didn't have any intention of working. I just kind of went for, oh, this is the highest paid blue collar job. I'm, you know, I'm a knuckle dragon tough guy, but you know, basically I could work in construction. Uh, so, but I knew I wanted to do something more than that. And so I studied direct marketing. I had no idea what it was at the time, but I started studying persuasion and print, all the, the, the OGs, the cult classics of copywriting, and got really good at this whole uh, wordsmithing thing and that was I basically turned my writing into riches um, started in the fitness industry went into financial um, and just picked the most competitive industries to go head-to-head against anybody who would try to uh, write against me and just kind of uh, iron sharpens iron and competed with everybody and now I've been able to uh, transition those skills into building my own acquisitions firm and uh, so now instead of selling $47 ebooks. I'm working on buying multi-million dollar companies and uh, attaching uh, sales and marketing business development engines to them that these traditional kind of blue collar boring businesses have never seen before. So it's going very well. Fantastic. And one of the reasons why, uh, one of the many reasons why you and I connect so much is because we have a shared love and obsession with psychology, human behavior, how people think. And that that's a skill that both of us utilize in different ways, but, you know, in a very prolific um, way to create astounding effects. So I really want to start with the premise of this conversation, which both of us feel really strongly about, which is how to choose to not participate in a recession. Let's start there. Um, when you said this to me, I immediately jumped up with excitement because that's exactly how I'm experiencing what's happening right now. 
Tell me and tell us a little bit about how you see this. Whenever there's, I mean, the, the, the saying that there's a silver lining to every cloud, I guess the eternal optimist in me, but there's, whenever there's an obstacle, there's an opportunity. Again, some stoic throwbacks. This is nothing new, but I see people panicking and I can remain calm and choose to look at the fact that when there are people who are shrinking away and afraid to address problems straight on, I see it as an opportunity to grow and go into new markets that people maybe the that have not prepared themselves for a culling, a, a, a right-sizing. Uh, I see opportunity for uh, cheap money being made available and op- for growth opportunities and all kinds of different angles. And so um, while I don't want to see you know that fortune favors the bold and that um, God hates a coward. And so if you have the opportunity to step up and really take what you believe is rightfully yours, here's the opportunity to to capitalize on uh, opportunities all around you. So it's just a reminder that when there's pandemics like this, that, that business must go on and that people have needs and, op- and there's an opportunity if you're an entrepreneur to look for hidden opportunities to turn this this uh, adversity into an opportunity. What sort of opportunities are you seeing right now? Because I heard two things that you said. One is money is cheap, capital is cheap, right? It's potentially never been cheaper. Um, two, everything's on sale. Everything's at a discount. Whether it's companies, whether it's products and services, really like anything that an entrepreneur would need to actually scale and grow is available much cheaper than before. So what are some of the opportunities you're seeing and how can entrepreneurs who are freaked out right now, who are panicking, who are paying too much attention to what's happening outside to Fox News or any other um, mass media channel, how can people shift how they're thinking and feeling and how they view the situation, how they make different decisions? Well, if, if you're selling a commodity, I mean, we have seen toilet paper go from something to 80 cents to $20 a piece. So just the, pr- the awareness of price elasticity on commodity issues, like there, this is not the, the, the diarrhea uh, flu virus, whatever. It is simply how do you, you see how people react to um, scarcity and how they respond to it with price. So how do you create scarcity around whatever it is that you you do? How do you follow these very simple and known influence uh, triggers uh, from anything from a commodity? And I would argue that anyone who's listening to you is not somebody who's providing a commodity service, that there is some kind of value-based sale involved, and there's some kind of creative um, act that goes involved in making yeah. the, the transaction. And so how do you capitalize on the fact that like, it's right there in front of you, toilet paper going for $20 a pop? Um, the availability of funds for whatever it is that you want to do. Uh, you can, I mean, you can buy something cheap, hold it, hold it for like right now, if you buy, bought a commodity cheap, held it for until this thing flips back around and then sell it for what you, what it even goes for. I mean, there's, there's arbitrage opportunities in commodities right now. And that's not even uh, something that I even like to play with. I like to play in uh, value added services and creating better customer service and being somebody who is a trusted advisor for businesses, you know, so it's, I like to, to point out to people that, Hey, look, like 
even if when you sell toilet paper, there are you can engineer environments where you can sell it for twenty x the price. And same thing, like it, it's not necessarily just being in the in the in retail. It could be across the board and whatever whatever kind of commodity gain that you think. There's just price elasticity. Elasticity has a huge opportunity, and the fact that you can go get capital in order to finance the arbitrage, no matter what industry you're in. So, yeah, and I just want to say that you know, for those watching. What Eric is saying is not to do price arbitrage on toilet paper. That's scummy. It's unethical. Don't do that. There's people out there who probably need to wipe their ass. And, you know, if you price toilet paper at 400 times the original price, you might get arrested. Some people have gotten arrested. Don't do that. <laughs> um, what this is, is, uh, is a highlight on the fact that people are still buying, that there is a lot of market demand out there right now. And there is a fundamental shift that needs to happen from, if you're an entrepreneur, from how do I get people to buy what I have to how can I solve a problem that people are experiencing right now. And this is a shift in orientation from being self-absorbed and caring about yourself and your company and your products and realizing that the reason why we are in business, the reason why we do what we do is ultimately to make an impact and make an impact on people. And so the question needs to be, what do people need and how can I solve that need or solve a problem or fill a gap in the market? And when we do that, there is always demand. There is always demand. And I, we need each other. I mean, that's the secret to life in, in all areas is that it's not about you. Anytime that you're feeling negative about a situation, it's like you need to get outside of yourself and how can I contribute to potentially solving a problem and the bigger problem that you solve the more um, value that you create in the world the more you'll be rewarded in, in all areas of your life so it's like whenever you're feeling sorry for yourself it's like well what, what do you need to do to, to like um, anyway that that's the I just want to, to add on to what you said there it, it's almost like the you know the principles of business that have always been true are even more true right now and that's why there's going to be a calling and nice to have products and services are not going to be competitive. They're not going to be able to stay in business. And of course, this doesn't include airline, hospitality, um, more conventionally brick and mortar in-person uh, businesses that are affected. But everything else, non-essential things are going to be harder to sell unless we're able to articulate. And I want to talk about this with you because you're a wizard at that articulation of connecting a product to a pain or a problem and communicating the value that it can offer, right? So tell us a little bit about some of those principles that you mentioned around influence and persuasion and how they're even more relevant and even more timely right now. That's that, I think that word that you just used, relevance, in order to resonate with the right kind of people. Uh, the, the, the diamond of message market media uh, has been the timeless direct marketing principle but it's, it's less about persuasion and more about getting consumed by the right kind of people that you want to target. Uh, and it's really, it's about a conversation with the right kind of people so that they want to engage in a dialogue with you so you can help them uh, articulate their pain to you. And you can say, hey, well, <laughs> once, once you trust me enough to share with me that you're, you know, you're in this kind of pain, you're going to trust maybe just a little bit that I have a solution to that kind of problem. And once I can speak your pain better than 
you can, that you're going to trust that I have a solution. I mean, a doctor does not come into you and say, you know, I, I have uh, Zoloft. I've got a whole bunch of Zoloft I have to sell this month in my quota of Zoloft. So let me find out patients to go give Zoloft to. They ask questions. They find out where it hurts. You know, they order extra tests. And at the same time, like, you don't, if you go to a doctor and he's not a heart surgeon, but he understands what heart surgery is, he's not going to say, well, I've never done this before, but let me, you know, I've seen it in a textbook. I've got, I passed the test. I'll, I'll be your heart surgeon. And at the same time, like, you don't go to a heart surgeon and go, well, I also need an anesthesiologist. Let me go. The heart surgeon doesn't just start, take the heart surgeon hat off and put on his anesthesiologist hat. So people want to deal with specialists. They want to deal with people who are relevant and saying the right kinds of things and asking the right kinds of questions are, it's more powerful than having some kind of magic, uh, you know, copywriting hack. The biggest hack I can tell you is to really listen to people and to talk to the kinds of people that you really want to, to be, to help. Who do you want the, there's a Dan Sullivan question. Who, uh, who do you want to be the hero to and be very mm. careful with who it is that you, who do you really want to be a hero to because you are a reflection of your clients and the kinds of problems that you solve. So I think I just threw a whole lot of on. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So I want to pull out a few things, right? Um, and I want to put a pin on who do you want to be a hero to and your clients are a reflection of you and the kinds of problems you solve. Um, because, you know, for my clients, I see this being true time and time and time again. There's something at the core of, what we're talking about that I really want to pull out and highlight, which is this, you said, use the word conversation, right? And what I'm seeing is that one of the biggest shifts that needs to happen, um, this has, again, always been true, but it's even more true right now, which is a shift from messaging to conversation, right? It needs to be a dialogue, as you said. And the difference between messaging and a dialogue or a conversation is that there's empathy. There's an understanding, there's a fundamental care for the other person. There's a fundamental concern for the other person. There's a fundamental orientation towards what the other person is feeling. And this question, and I love this question, of where does it hurt? And you can almost imagine a little boy who is out playing, he trips, he falls, and he comes to his mom crying because his knees are bleeding. And... She's like, oh, where does it hurt, right? In reality, we're all little kids trying to make it in this adult um, playground, right? And we're all hurting. We're all carrying deep emotional wounding, a lot of childhood stuff, a lot of scars. And we're waiting for people to ask us, where does it hurt? This can be everything from um, a product that's like, you know, therapy or counseling all the way to you know large things because when we think about companies like Apple, arguably the most successful company in the world right now, trillions of dollars in market cap, they're marketing, they're messaging, they're selling an identity, right? And they're selling to Maslow's, um, the tip of Maslow's pyramid, which is self-actualization, and they're helping people actualize that part where it hurts, which is I want to belong, I want to feel successful, I want to feel sophisticated and it hurts when I don't feel like that. So my phone is going to help me soothe that hurt. And this question is so key from marketing to sales to any kind of business growth and really understanding and really connecting with that part that hurts. 
because everything we do thereafter, the conversation we engage in, in our marketing, um, the products and services we sell in response to where it hurts, um, the solutions we provide, the value we provide, the customer experience, everything stems from that one core piece. And I feel like this is even more relevant right now. And let's transition into what you said, which I really loved, which is who is the customer you want to be a hero for right now? Right? And what are, they, what are your current customers reflecting back to you about what's happening inside you? So say more about that. The, so I, I chose that I want to be the hero to people that I, I couldn't be in the military for forever. And I had made a choice to, you know, to leave, but I wanted to be able to share their stories and um, build upon there, like I, the the pain that I experienced when I left was that I, none of my skills translated, and that there was this massive gap between being like a hardcore GI Joe, and then the fact that in the civilian world nobody cared, it didn't matter. <laughs> I had to start from the beginning because my skills were worth, you know, ten dollars an hour as a construction worker, and that that hurt. But that, like that, my ego was very damaged because I, you know, I had a sleeve full of combat stripes, a whole chest full of medals, but nobody nobody cares. <laughs> So um, it was, I wanted to be able to uh, champion those kinds of people and say, hey, look, you don't need to spend eight years working a job that you hate. And um, I can speak to that. I can empathize because like, I, I went through that miserable journey of like being uh, underemployed and knowing that I had a greater potential than what I was working on and had to spend all the like work 40 to 80 hours a week. For somebody else knowing that I never was going to build towards my dream, there's no leverage in, you know, working an hourly rate. You know, so like I was like I had no leverage in this thing that I was doing, no ownership in it. And ultimately, the, who was I going to be the hero to like I need to save myself first and get myself into a business situation where I could take my income and do something with it. And then once I learned more about money, I I learned like okay, well, there's I needed to get out of this. I needed to increase my financial IQ significantly. So I wanted to be able to, to protect that little boy that came out that had this, you know, the toughest guy at the barbecue, you know, a big, tough GI Joe guy coming out who really was a uh, misguided, confused young man. Um, and I wanted to, I want to be a hero to him. I want to save myself, you know, in my back almost, you know, it was at 2011, so nine years ago, uh, I wanted to like be that guy, that guy's hero, and I also want to be able to champion a 65-year-old business owner who um, he's ready to retire, but he's not. Uh, he's built like a successful multi-million-dollar business, but he doesn't have a young, enthusiastic veteran entrepreneur to like hand it off to. Like his like his engineering business in Pittsburgh is like not sexy. Like everyone else wants to go work at a startup at Google and wants to sleep and like take naps and pods and stuff. And so like, I don't want to be the hero to like the tech kind of bro. Cause I'm not one. I was never, I was never one of those cool kids. So I was like, well, I can identify with the 65 year old multi-million dollar blue collar business owner. I dig him. So like, how do I match make and how do I be the hero to these kinds of people save myself and like do this, build this kinds of, uh, who, like, who do I want to hang out with? Like, who would I like to drink a beer with? And it's like, the, the tough guy, army guy, uh, a successful business owner, I like, would like to drink beer with him. And then how do I create a business that is you know, the, around that kind of uh, situation? So 
I, I chose very clearly who I want to talk to in all my messaging. Uh, I call it dog whistles. Like who, who am I trying to signal to that I understand them? How do I empathize with them? And just, just enough to have a conversation where they want to learn more and take them on this journey to say, hey, look, if my dumbass is able to do this, you can too. Self-deprecating um, and at the same time acknowledging the, the hard work and the fact that these people have built something serious and just because their kids don't want to work in this like miserable like a salvage yard, the business is, is doing $5 million a year on autopilot with terrible marketing. Well, maybe we could do something cool with some this, this newfangled social media thing and like go green and ch- like, put the right kind of spin on it and get you know, government grants and like, wow, we can take this $5 million business and turn it into a 20 million in the next couple of years and sell out and whatever. Like then you could go sleep in a, a, a nap pod or whatever you want later. But so I just like was very clear about who I wanted to talk to and to try to attract those kinds of people. Um, and so it was by identifying first who, who is that person that I want to be a reflection of and be the kind of a champion to. And it's not about me. It's really kind of just being a, a, a shepherd for these people to kind of help them get what they want. Because again, it's not, about, it's not about me being super smart. I can read all the copywriting books. I could be the greatest copywriter, uh, God's gift to the written word. But nobody's going to care unless I have somebody to write to and write for or whatever. So it, again, it was me getting out of my own way of figuring out who, like, how do I use my gifts to help somebody else. I love it. And there's a few things that you said that I want to highlight. One is when you left the army, um, as you shared, right, in the civilian world, your value, and that's not your intrinsic value, that's your extrinsic value was pegged like, you know, $10 an hour, $12 an hour, construction worker, um, flipping burgers. And what for most people would look like adversity, something a little bit like what we're experiencing right now, (laughs) you actually turned into a super weapon, a superpower, because you chose to zag when everyone else was zigging, right? And you went into the unsexiest business to the 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 business world um, version of the reject pile, <laughs> and you decided to make an opportunity there for yourself, where who you were was actually an asset, where your reflection was actually really powerful and really aligned. So I love this process of distilling your essence into your customer avatar and actually turning that into your biggest asset. Well, I appreciate the acknowledgement and I wish I had, it had, uh, when it finally clicked, it made a whole lot more sense. Like I had, there's a lot of effort going in a lot of different directions in order to come back to like, why am I making this so hard for myself? And once I realized that business should not be so hard, it should be simple. Um, I'm like, well, how do I make this? It's not, it's never going to be easy. None of this, all this stuff I can, you know, Hindsight's 2020, and I can laugh about it now. And it's never been, it's not, none of this stuff is easy, but it should be simple. It should make very clear sense in order to, to draw like a straight line. Where are you going? But I really, I could not answer, what do I really want? Like I could say like, oh, I want to make a bunch of money. But what does that mean? Like, what does that mean? Like, and so I sat down and like did the arithmetic of what it is that I actually want. And like, what does that actually look like? And that's, that's why I, I, I build myself as, chief combat imagineer of my you know, visual strategy business. Like, no, I don't, I'm not a graphic designer <laughs> and no, I'm like not blowing stuff up anymore, but I'm, I'm helping 
I'm, I'm speaking to those combat engineer army people. Everyone in the military knows what that what that role is, and like, but I put a playful spin on it. And um, and once I kind of just decide to own this brand, because I'm a direct marketing guy, I'm not really I'm I'm not a branding guy, but um, <laughs> once I decide to own this like fast, rugged, irreverent kind of entrepreneur brand, um, it just everything else made so much more simple sense, and I knew exactly who to talk to and how to talk to them. And really it was mostly just ask, getting clear about who I am and being comfortable with the fact that I'm not the suit and tie type, double-breasted suit type. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm covered in tattoos. So I'm like this kind of this renegade entrepreneur guy. Um, but I'm not like the super artsy fartsy feel good kind of, so I just got really comfortable with like who, where I fit and who I am so I could show up for other people in a way that was empowering of, them so yeah, i mean i appreciate the acknowledgement and but it, once once i once i figured it out it's it very simple but <laughs> it took a lot of effort going a lot of different directions to figure out the, like the straight line yeah yeah what i'm hearing is that once you get really clear then the path sort of clears itself but getting to that point is often the hardest thing for most people and you know people struggle with it 40s 50s all the way 60s 70s people die without ever being clear on that and if they get clear they, they, they still haven't fully accepted who they are and how they are and what they are. And there's a few things. I was keeping a mental list of some of the gems that I want to pull out into one-liners. Business is simple, but simple isn't easy. That's one. Another one. Business is simple. People are complicated. And most of our problems in our business actually come from ourselves as entrepreneurs. We are creating the problems, right? Traditionally, businesses find a person who has a problem, solve that problem, take money, done. <laughs> but in reality, instantiating this very simple truth, simple axiom, you know, it's a very complicated process. And it's because we project all our fears, all our doubts, all our anxieties, all our tendencies on our business because the business becomes the reflection for us to integrate all this material inside us. And the other thing that really struck me was it wasn't until you fully came into acceptance with who you are that something changed. You had to actually accept and become comfortable with who you are. And once you did that, then the answers sort of appeared and everything felt clear. So if you were to pull out like a couple of... Um, couple of lessons, a couple of um, pieces of advice, things that really made a difference in this journey for you, what would some of those things be? The, I think as a, a creative, in which we all are creative, but as an entrepreneur, you are a, a, an opportunist. I mean, the, the, the definition of an entrepreneur is taking resources from a lower level of productivity to a higher level of productivity. Um, so you're, you're an opportunist. You have to be resourceful, but you're also, you're creative. You see things that don't yet exist and how they could be. And the biggest struggle for most, my biggest struggle was that I am a creative person. So I didn't want to systemize stuff because I didn't want to have my hands tied because I was working in a business that actually worked. So like the elevator business is a, as a, I worked for a $22 billion a year company. And so there are not, there are, there's not room for creativity in that it's just do your job and shut up like do it more efficiently it's an it's an industrial type job 
So it's like, we know how long it takes to do this stuff. Don't mess with it. Like you're not that smart. You're not, this has been engineered to the nth degree. It's an extremely mature business. So it's like, I don't care. Even if you do have a good idea, you're not like your one little idea is not going to impact the whole business. And like, just, just do your job. We haven't figured out. We don't need you to mess with it. Just do your job. And the same thing, we, we don't want pilots, you know, deciding that they, you know, I'm going to try a new way to land this thing. I've like, I've been reading this, this book about like <laughs> creative ways to land an airplane. Uh, I don't, I don't want to hear your creative BS. Just do your job. Um, so I was in the wrong seat. And so like, there's a place for an entrepreneur to create a, a creative way to solve a problem and a creative way to make sales, a creative way to do marketing. Um, but when you're ready to shift into like a real business with, with people and processes and be play a bigger game, solve bigger problems, have a bigger impact, uh, you have to kind of, you have to, to either staff for your weaknesses, which are like, it's kind of, you have to find somebody who's kind of opposite of you. Even so somebody that you wouldn't actually want to hang out with <laughs> because you need those kinds of things yeah. to make the thing work. And so that's, it's, it's a whole lot of self-awareness. You need to be able to manage yourself and what, and like hold yourself to standards and also say okay well here are, here are my weaknesses how do i like fix them with systems and people process whatever like how do i so you have to be very self-aware about like what you're really really good at double down on your strengths and then staff the hell out of your weaknesses like prop those things up with with employees uh i mean i'm for inf- like digital inf- like whatever kind of infrastructure to keep you um focused on what you're really good at and something that gives you energy rather than trying to do all kinds of different things. So it's sim- again, it's simple to say, but it takes a whole lot of courage to say, "Hey, I suck at this really bad, and I've been doing all. Like I've been able to burn the candle at both ends and start this entrepreneurial venture, and I'm like good at all this stuff. And whoever I'm going to put in this other place, um, it's really hard to do that. But once you figure out what your effective hourly rate could be, if you're focused on what you're really good at, and they're like makes you the most money and gives you the most energy." Um, why would you ever spend any time doing anything stuff that you ultimately suck at and you could hire somebody for $20 an hour or, you know, whatever your effect, if you're, if you're able to make a thousand dollars an hour, if you focus on sales, doing the entrepreneurial thing that somebody doesn't really want to do anyway, uh, and fulfill, let hire somebody and train them to do it at least 80% of what you're able to do, which is likely they're, they like went to school to do the thing that you were trying to not do anyway. So they've, it's just like there are no bad jobs helping people find their place on your bus. And just your job is to is to sell the moon and let your business build a rocket ship. So um, how do you put the right people in the right places and keep it simple and let people operate in their own zones of genius and focus on what you're really good at and acknowledge that you suck at a lot of stuff, including being like being a boss. You probably suck at. So you probably need somebody to fulfill that role. Like someone needs to be the boss. So whatever yeah so let's 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 jump back into the theme of our conversation today how to choose to not participate in a recession because you know that working definition of an entrepreneur which i really love which is the the person who sees problems that other people don't see who sees solutions that other people can't even imagine who thinks really outside the box right creating things that haven't existed before that requires us to not be mainstream in our thinking. And if we don't want to be mainstream in our thinking, we can't follow mainstream media and we can't panic when everyone else is panicking, be fearful when everyone else is being fearful, be doubtful when everyone else is being doubtful. And it requires us 
to almost protect ourselves in our own bubble in a way while still being connected to and informed with the pulse of our market, of our customers, of our clients, because we still need to have the empathy. We still need to know what's, what's going on for them, what's present for them. And it's that balance, right, that we're talking about here. We're not saying completely isolate yourself and insulate yourself. And we're not saying become, you know, this consumption-oriented, fearful, doubtful person. It's what is that balance? So share a little bit about how you're striking this balance for yourself right now. I, I do have uh, Fox News on in the background. <laughs> I do. I lean more conservative as a, as a business owner. Um, and, and really, it's, it's like, wh- who are, what, are my, what is my market watching? Who are these? And like, I don't sell to people really my own age. Like, like you, that's another big revelation is that you, know, you probably aren't your buyer. So look, consume the kind of information that, that your market is consuming. Um, but also, like, I, the visual I have is keeping one foot on both sides of like this fence. Like, I, I choose not to believe all this, this hype, like all the negativity and all this, this like, you know, that we're going to just print $2 trillion and the, everyone's going to get a stimulus check and everything's going to be great. Like, I don't think that it's going to happen, but um, I at least I need to know what I know that that the news is a really good job of of striking up emotion in people. Like that's their job is to to grab your attention. That's really ultimately what a copywriter's job is: grab you, grab your attention. Because our um, our BS detectors are so high anymore that we just can switch off. And anyway, so to maintain the balance is identifying. Um, what do you need to do to recenter yourself and keep you focused on your your values and your vision and your mission? Stay focused on the mission, but also keep your finger on the on the pulse of where is your market, where are they at? And speaking with kind empathy, uh, like kind, and ultimately kind ruthlessness, like re, be ruthless on, in your actions, but be kind in the way that you you articulate like what's going on, um, and do what you're going to do anyway, because <laughs> I mean, people are. You cannot give in to the masses, because I mean, like over eighty percent of America is fat, broke, and bored, and they're sitting at home watching, glued to the TV, uh, requesting margaritas and order out takeout, and like they're not um, doing what needs to be done for to further their own businesses. They're not like like um, reading books and trying to grow their minds like they're giving into a lot of the the temptation which is to to just netflix and and chill or watch the news and to, the, to being aware of where your market is and speaking with them like, keep in, uh, empathizing with them but saying like okay well i need to make sure that i make time for my critical processes so that when this when they open the doors the gates back up that you can hit the ground like way further along than other people who are going to be, still be reeling from um, consumer culture and like the, the fear pan, like the fear is, is the virus. <laughs> like you can, if you don't get sick and die from it, then you ultimately need, like, you have no excuses. You got to get back out there and like get back into the fight. So right. if it doesn't kill you, you got to go like your business needs to carry on. So what are you, what are you doing to prepare yourself and, and sharpen that ax, take the time, the opportunity that the world has slowed down right now to like make that, make that ax as sharp as possible so you're ready to swing the second it's the opportune time. Um, and also that the, there are opportunities while, while the 
like to to really understand your market to do get the like button up the things do some maintenance on your business it probably hasn't been done if you're going 100 miles an hour all the time so it's like there's an opportunity in this and that's why I like I'm I choose not to participate <laughs> so. yeah I love that and you know I'm encouraging all my clients to choose three words that they want to embody during this time right and my words and the ones that actually a lot of my clients seem to pick are commitment responsibility and integrity right and starting off this series for me is me um, honoring all three of those words and embodying it to the best that I can another question that I'm asking all of my clients is what is how is this entire situation a gift and opportunity what have you been neglecting in your life in your business that you finally have let's say divine intervention to actually focus on. So how is tell me about how this lands with you and how how are you seeing this as an opportunity? What have you been neglecting previously that you're now able to sort of attack, get through, sort out and retool? I mean I am in a constant uh pursuit of less but better in my life and and being more interested in expanding my spiritual awareness because I, I have been I, I had I've sharpened my body into a spear in order to shove into the chest of anyone who's ever messed with me. But at the same time, I need to soften myself and be willing to expand on on more softer things and like spiritual things and re- recognizing that there are opportunities to, that to use this this strength that, that I've that I've built in order to be strong for other people. Because I'm really, I'm like, I have done a good job of, of cauterizing my like, kind of wounds. And then now to be in a safe place where I'm, where I can be with just one or two people to be open and expand my spiritual and like my heart. So I know to be a, a well-rounded person, I can't just be all, all thousand miles an hour all the time. And just like, you know, like pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Let's go. Uh, there's a time and place for that, um, and uh, people know that I can be that kind of like the yin and yang energy kind of thing. <laughs> I'm not sure which one's which. I'm sure you would be more enlightened on that, but I know that there's a balance, that, and this has provided me the opportunity for um, spiritual and emotional softening of my of my awareness, or you know, increasing my awareness and softening of my external tough guy stuff that old habits die hard. But <laughs> this has given me the place and a time to to you know, be be soft and, and and i think it's important as a, a well-rounded human so yeah as you say that i find myself tuning into you and really connecting with that part of you right now is there something you want to acknowledge yourself for in that in that area in that direction i i don't like i'm still I have pushed it away because I've just been so self-centered for a lot of my life and um, just increase. I've, I guess I can acknowledge that I think I even said it this morning, like, wow, it's becoming clearer and clearer to me that I'm not the center of the universe. Like today was like one of those days that, you know, we, um, my girlfriend and I went for a long walk with the dog and just kind of looking at, looking at the the crazy stuff going on, the news. And we did like this little devotional time to the, together to 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 expand on our faith we're growing on our faith together 
And um, it's just like to take the time to say, wow, like I've been so self-centered and so self-important and I am not in charge of this, this coronavirus is like, I'm not in, I'm really not in charge of any of this stuff. Like I can laugh at it, but it's like, wow, it's like, it was really like, wow, I really am not in charge of this stuff. Cause I really, I thought like I have created my own reality through my own efforts and to recognize that, well, maybe I could have an even bigger impact if I allowed more people and more spiritual, more like universal energy, what, whatever have you, God, whatever have you, um, to allow that into my life and maybe stop fighting it and trusting in the process that as I, as I put my energy in a focused direction, um, that more, more of that will be given to me. And it's like, that's some woo woo stuff that have never really, um, never allowed in to really entertain that too much. And the more I recognize that it, 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 there's more to life than just my own brute force and ability to outwork everybody that, wow, like to, uh, to, for the callback before, it really can be very simple and it shouldn't be a struggle. And it's becoming more and more aware and, and awakened to this, like this uh, added energy. So, yeah, as you acknowledge were- <laughs> Yeah, as you were as you were sharing that, the words that popped into my head were into my heart were interconnectedness. This feeling of, you know, when you were saying self-centered, what I actually heard was that I feel a lot more interconnected with everyone else and everything else in this world. I feel like I'm part of a fabric rather than a single isolated thread. And what I also heard was this feeling of surrendering and moving away from this place of self, self-directed control to letting go and sort of falling into the, the arms of whatever it is that's making everything in the world happen. It's the same intelligence that turns acorns into oak trees rather than, you know, whales. It's the same it's the same intelligence that makes our hair and nails grow, that makes our heart beat without us doing any conscious thing, right? And it's almost this, this experience and being in nature, and we are nature, so when people say, um, you know, I need to be in nature, it always, <laughs> I, I always laugh a little bit inside because we are nature. We are an expression of nature. We're not separate from nature. But when we're, you know, out in the woods around trees and plants and rocks, there is a sense of awe. There's a sense of wonder because we feel in a way how insignificant we are, but also how interconnected we are. And in that feeling, you know, for me, there's everything. It's almost like a reset. That's why the Japanese have a practice of what they call forest bathing, where they literally go and sit in the forest and bathe in this, in this sense of awe and wonder, in this sense of insignificance and significance, in these like seeming paradoxes where, you know, in this world we're doing so much to create, there's so much force, there's so much will, there's so much drive, but in nature, it's the opposite. Everything just is, there is a state of surrender. The flowers don't care who is around, they just bloom, right? And and everything does its thing seemingly in the state of pure tranquility and pure surrender and balance. So I really, it's, 
it's beautiful to experience that side of you here as well. And it sort of feels very balanced and very complete as a conversation for us to touch all parts of yourself as it relates to what's happening right now. Well, I appreciate you posing the questions and holding the space for me to show up fully uh, how I want to be seen and, and not I'm not worried about you know what anyone thinks of me and I appreciate you holding that opportunity for me to really be able to express it. So you know, from the safety of our you know, COVID uh, be live <laughs> situation. So. Beautiful. Eric, thank you so much for this conversation. I think it's been really enlightening. There's been so many gems and I hope people find a lot to take away from this. Um, tell us a little bit about where people can find you. Um, you know, your skills, superpowers, if you feel like offering that to the community out there. Sure, you can find me pretty easily at ericbakey.com. Um, and it's just eric at ericbakey.com, E-R-I-C at B eric, B-A-K-E-Y. So that's the, the, the hard pitch for if you, if you have any questions <laughs> about anything I talked about, be happy to answer. Love it. Thanks so much, Eric. Can't wait to talk soon. Thanks for having me. All right. Cool. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you found value, please consider leaving a five-star review to allow the show to reach more people or share this episode via your social media channels. If you're an entrepreneur and want support in exponentially scaling your business, email me at ani at animanian.com.